You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Anoop. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Caroline Tarpey on data-driven personalized coaching. Our guest for today, Caroline, is the new VP Sales and Customer Success at Potapart a commission tracking software platform. Previously, Carolyn has held various sales and CS leadership roles at tech startups. She has a passion for scaling teams and data-driven coaching. Carolyn actually started a career in the federal government at the Department of Defense and State Department, and she currently lives in Denver. Carolyn, super excited to talk to you today and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. Awesome. So first off, congratulations on the new role. I'm sure you must have got a lot of exciting challenges up ahead. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited. You know, this is a really, really interesting company, founder-led, really inspirational and inspired executive and leadership team. And so to be joining that team across the sales and CS journey, focusing on the full customer experience is it's phenomenal. I'm so excited. Awesome. Good to hear that. Let's just jump straight in for our listeners. Could you explain the concept of data-driven personalized coaching? What exactly does it entail? Yes. I'm going to unpack the concept and then maybe even take a step back around some of the places it comes from and things that your listeners might be interested to read up on more to to really apply it. So data-driven coaching or data-driven personalized coaching is really about marrying art and science, blending data and human behavior. You know, one of the things that happens a lot on go-to-market teams or really teams in general is we operate from one mode or the other. We either say, let's operate on gut instinct and sort of what feels like it's going to work well based on some prior personal experience we may have had. And we implement strategies based on that, or we get really, really heavy on the data and we're constantly looking at the statistics and the numbers. And this approach is really about marrying the two together in a way that coaches the people on your team to grow to the best possible sales athletes they can be. And, you know, it's, it comes from, there are a couple of kind of works that underpin this. There's a really interesting book came out. It's probably 15 years ago now. It's called Nudge and author is Richard Thaler. And he really talks about in this book, the concept of behavioral science, which is really about how do we look systematically at human behavior in an analytical way and blend together structures and processes that can nudge really positive behaviors. So if you and, and you may have seen some of this data, but the studies tell us that the highest performing teams provide positive feedback to negative feedback in a ratio of five to one. So like, let that sink in for a minute. Your teams have to hear positive feedback 5x the amount that they hear negative feedback to be at their highest performing level. And so this approach, which we'll unpack as we continue to talk, is really about putting in place the structures and the mindsets that allow you to really get that highest performance from your team. Really interesting to hear that a specific breakup. Could you elaborate on that more? 
I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be interested in understanding that whole concept. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll share a few examples of kind of the notion of a, a nudge framework. So if you've ever been to, I think it's in Stockholm, there's a few metro stations they have where they've painted the stairs to look like a grand piano. And the nudge that they're trying to give to people is use the stairs, don't use the escalator, right? It promotes a healthier behavior, gets people moving. And they actually saw a significant increase in people actually using the stairs once they put this in place. If you've ever gotten a driver's license, there is a big difference in terms of opting in versus opt-out frameworks for organ donation. So if you have to check a box to say you're opting out of organ donation that actually has a much higher success rate of people becoming organ donors than if you have to manually opt into it. And so these are just nudge frameworks, a really simple one if there are any parents listening to this is schools putting healthy food at eye level in the cafeteria is a nudge for the student to then select something that's healthy instead of putting like the cakes and cookies, you know, at kind of easiest access to them. And so these concepts are really about creating frameworks that influence in a positive way, nudge in a positive way, the behaviors of our team members. And so again, if you go back to that idea that that ratio of positive to negative feedback, it's gotta be five to one to deliver the best performance. One of the things that we have to be thinking about as leaders is instead of how are we always from the top down talking about what has to be done, what our goals are, what our revenue targets are, how we have to get to them, what we need from our teams to make it happen, how are we creating the structures that actually incentivize our people to self-identify some areas of growth and that enable our leaders, coaches, and managers to be coaches in helping them think through this process? And so if you think it'd be interesting, I can walk through kind of a few steps that we've implemented um, in a couple of teams. It's something we're thinking about for Kazoo as well to actually do that. Sure. In fact, uh, that was going to be my next question as to how would a leader try to implement this with their team or how do you apply it to your team and bring it into practice? So we're interested in uh, learning about this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's funny, it's on my mind right now. I was listening to a great mm-hmm. podcast last night, which I'd recommend to anybody. It was a session. It's a, a guy named Mark Roberts, who's the former CRO of HubSpot. He took it from zero to hundred million. He now is with stage two capital and works with Harvard Business School as well. And he gave an interesting lecture called the step-by-step guide to revenue growth. And unbeknownst to me, because I had just made it to the end of the podcast, he's talking about these very same concepts around data-driven coaching. And there's a couple of things that are really critical to doing this well. The first is that you've got to have in place a sales process. You've got to have a methodology, of course, that your teams are using. Like this isn't rocket science to anybody listening to the call. And in fact, I encourage you to check out Mark Banfield's podcast with Sunny Up, maybe a couple of months back where he really talks about a value-driven sales process and great ideas in there. So the second piece then is looking at this data weekly at the individual level because it's essential for us to understand at an individual level what's taking place. And it has to be data that's tied to the business outcomes that we're trying to achieve. So something like tracking, did somebody make an arbitrary number of cold calls? If we don't actually know that that's tied to some other outcome that's critical for the business, doesn't make sense. Whereas if we know for us to be successful in growing the win rate on this product or with this type of company, we need to improve a low conversion rate from stage two to three, that would be the kind of data that would be really impactful for a business outcome. So you're putting this data in people's hands at an individual level. And I'll tell you in a minute what you start to do with that data practically. But before you do anything, you focus on mindset. So as you're granting access, as you're democratizing access to the data across your teams, you're focusing on 
the mindset that we are going to use data to help ourselves become elite athletes of our craft. And our craft is sales. This is not about exposing weaknesses among the group from a punitive perspective. Of course, data has its own place in performance reviews and that makes sense. But this is about the intellectual curiosity of understanding what it takes and where to focus to become really elite at our craft of selling. So once you've established that that is the intent, the intent is really important from the senior leadership level, and you're ensuring that your middle management and your teams below them are also communicating that as the intent behind it, then you can actually get into the doing. And that's the third part. So if that first piece is processed, the second part is starting to look, look at this data at an individual level and creating the right mindset for what it means to do that. And the third piece is actually looking at the data. And this is where the magic really happens because what you, the key here is not for data, data to exist in the silos of your sales leadership teams. This shouldn't be something that just you as a, as the CRO or a CCO or a COO or a VP of sales is looking at. You're giving access to data at an individual level to every individual. So Johnny AE is able to see his own trends, where he's strong, where he's maybe not as strong. He can also see the team averages for the same types of data, and he can also see individual peer trends. And what happens when you've created a mindset where this is about performance optimization and becoming elite at our craft, and then you give people information is they actually take action as individuals. They become empowered to say, wow, I am really struggling on the part of my sales process that requires competitive differentiation that happens between stage two and three. I'm struggling there. Sarah is really strong. I can see that because I can see in the data. I've been given access to this information. I'm going to start shadowing some of Sarah's calls. I'm going to start listening to some of her recall recordings. I'm going to actually ask her to take a look at some of my talk tracks or to role play a few scenarios with me. And you create a dynamic where learning starts to happen at a peer level. And it's happening from the top down too. The coaches, may I keep saying coaches, but really anybody who's in a managerial role should be thinking of themselves as a coach. The coaches are looking at this information too. They're asking the right questions of the individuals rather than dictating what's happening, right? They're asking questions of their teams. And so you're then creating a dynamic of a feedback loop by having given access to this data at the individual level, not just for the individual, but individual level data that's available for everybody to everybody. Well, that process makes a lot of sense. So now we are building this system, right? Now, obviously when you build a system or you're trying to implement a system, uh, there has to be some way to measure success. There has to be a few metrics to determine success. So in this particular process of data-driven uh, personalized coaching, how do you uh, determine those metrics and how do you measure success? Absolutely. So the thing that you're doing here is you're actually just translating your company level success metrics or KPIs to the execution at an individual level. What does that mean? And you're drawing the parallel so everybody sees why what they do as an individual actually matters to the greater whole. So if at a company level, if some of your success measures look like overall win rates, win rates by product, the win rates are if you're looking at leading indicators, things like top of funnel pipeline generation or conversion from the opportunities into sales qualified leads into SQLs, you're looking at those at an aggregate level, and then you're just 
providing access at an individual level to that same data. It's funny, we, we love to look at this, these trends, right? We go into our board meetings and we talk about conversion through the funnel and we talk about our win rates. We talk about our ASP. Well, you know what? That's all the same. That data is just made up of the performance of a group of individuals, aggregate view of individual level data. And something really magical happens when you start to say, team, for us to be successful at driving up our win rates, one of the things we need to do is increase our conversion to SQL because it's going to be a leading indicator, an earlier indicator that we're on the right track. Here's where everybody is on that metric. And everybody can see individually, like I'm actually, and you can't see me doing this, but I'm looking at a specific data example that I've encountered in my past on this very one, increasing conversion to SQL. I can think of an individual rep who was really struggling here and went and actually did that motion of peer study and came back to me and said, Caroline, I've actually been able to identify three things that account executives who are successful at having high conversion rates to SQL are doing on that stage of call and interaction with the customer that I'm not doing. I'm going to go implement those. When we looked at his conversion rates a month later, they had gone up five percentage points. And then we looked at it again, they had gone up another five percentage points. So we start actually testing and iterating by saying the data has given us a signal about where to focus. That prompts an action. This, the peer study, coaching cycles, and a test about what might be more successful. And then after we've implemented that test, we go back and we see what took place in the data. And because he saw his conversion rates go up significantly, he knew, okay, I've done something right. And the thing is, this, this type of approach is actually done in all kinds of other industries. Think about elite athletes. So I was fortunate enough to have a former Olympic swimmer on my team at one point. This is somebody who swam at the most elite levels, won a gold, gold medal at the Olympics in a, a relay with uh, Michael Phelps. He said to me, Caroline, you know, when I was in the Olympics and I was swimming and training at the highest levels of athletics, I always knew exactly what micro techniques I was working on to improve my macro outcome. So I knew if it was one small aspect or one small leg of the race, I worked with my coach, I knew what those were, and I practiced ruthlessly on those pieces of the puzzle until I got those better. That made the entire outcome better. The entire outcome is swim faster. There's all these component parts that go into it. If the entire outcome is close more deals, close more revenue, book more revenue, then there's all these component parts that go into it. And so it's really about taking that kind of a intentional specificity in the way that we train as sales athletes and putting it into practice. Well, that's a very interesting example about how you focus on specific objectives that enable you to achieve. That's definitely interesting. Well, and take it back to where we started the conversation where we said positive to negative feedback ratio of five to one. In the example I gave of the rep who said, all right, I realized that I'm not converting to SQL at the rate I should be based on what I can see of the averages across the team, what I'm hearing from you is necessary for us to be successful and what I can see of my own individual data. Ask questions, be Socratic in the way that we engage rather than tell. So instead of me being the only person or your manager being the only person who has access to this data and saying, well, so and so I'm looking at your data and like, you're really not hacking it when it comes to conversion to SQL. Like you need to double your conversion rate and then just hoping the rep figures that out. The rep's identifying that opportunity. So we didn't have to go 
to him with a negative feedback. We are, we are going to have that conversation if we need to. But people who, who have potential to grow are going to be hungry for that information anyway. They're going to look at it and say, oh, I see this is an area of opportunity. Let me start to investigate what I can do to improve and bring ideas to my coach. And then my coach can help me think through those by asking me the right questions, right? What did you observe when you listened to reps one, two, and three who are really having success based on our data in this area? How is that different from what you're doing today? How can you test and apply some of these concepts in your next conversations? What are those next conversations? Let's role play what you might do. And you put yourself in this position of clearly enabling their success rather than performance managing or punitively instructing somebody who, you know, isn't cutting it and making sure they're aware that they're not. And it creates a totally different dynamic on your sales team when you take that approach. Definitely. Caroline, is there a book, blog, or newsletter that you'd love to recommend to our listeners? Yes. So I'm going to recommend two, actually. One I've already referenced, uh, which is that speech I was watching, I guess, yesterday. It's called Step-by-Step Guide to Revenue Growth. It's by Mark Roberge, who is that former CRO of HubSpot, took it to 100 million, tons of great insight in there. It is one of the best I've ever seen, 30-minute overviews of how to run super successful go-to-market teams. The other one is outside the go-to-market space traditionally, but I'm fascinated, obviously, by, today, by today's discussion on how we can apply concepts of things outside maybe our practice area and into what we do in sales. And it's a book called Tiny Habits by a guy named BJ Fogg. It talks about how the creation of these tiny habits or tiny micro changes add up to really big impacts if you do them diligently and, and consistently. So I, I think it dovetails really well with everything we talked about today. Cool. So any individuals in B2B tech, fully GTM or data science teams that uh, you'd love to recommend that we bring on to the show? Yeah. So the first person I'm going to recommend is a guy named Tony Capasso. And he is one of the, the best out there when it comes to motivational and inspirational sales leadership. He's held a variety of go-to-market roles, chief customer officer, CRO. He's an SVP of sales right now at a company called Optane. And he just really gets these concepts intrinsically, but knows how to lead with inspiration and motivation. And the, the concepts of sales athletics are things I've, I've learned from him too. So that's one. The second is a guy named Rob Weaver, and he is a CRO of a company called Vertebrae. She just got acquired. My, my LinkedIn sleuthing is correct. And I had a chance to work with Rob years ago, and he is one of the best on TNT, the today, not tomorrow mentality, and building teams that have a sense of urgency in how they operate. And obviously that's really critical for us to be successful. And the third is a guy named Bob, who is the CRO of a company called Aptian. And Bob, I, I met more recently, but one of the things that really stood out to me is he has been at the, the kind of cutting edge of implementing growth and development programs for his sales teams. So obviously you bring people into sales who are high achievers, have high ceilings, want to know what happens next when they do really well. Well, Bob and his team have built out a program that is very prescriptive and clear about how you kind of can get, you apply to and get access to their sales academy. And then you work through that program for a year and then what outcomes are on the other side of it. So all three of those have like really interesting and different perspectives on things that would apply to go-to-market leaders. That's awesome. So we'll definitely try to get them on board for our recording in the future. 
Last question. What's the best way for any of our listeners to get in touch with you? What's the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. So just caroline.tarpy at quotapath, all one word, quotapath.com. Or they can feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, whatever is easiest. And I'd, I'd love to connect with anybody who is interested in these topics or has similar ideas. It was a great pleasure talking to you today and uh, listening to your insights on this particular topic. I'm sure our listeners got a great deal of value from this conversation. Well, it's just been so wonderful talking with you as well. Thank you for everything you're doing to build a community of practice for go-to-market leaders. You love your podcast and can't wait to see more. Thank you for that. Thanks for being part of our show. I really enjoyed you having on the podcast series. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.